You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. All right. Happy Easter, Grace Family Church. Excited. Yeah. Well, welcome all of our campuses, starting all the way out in Landa Lakes and right here at Lutz and all the way out in Temple Terrace and Ybor City, Carrollwood, South Tampa, Clearwater. You better not be at the beach. You better be at church in Clearwater. And hey, all those that are watching online here and all over the world, man, thanks for coming to Grace. Yeah, good to have you. Easter, so what? That's what I thought. I didn't care about Easter, folks. I, I, I don't know about you. I know my story. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Never went to church a day in my life. Easter was not a celebration of a resurrection. For me, when I was little, Easter was about an Easter egg hunt. And also, it was about getting a big chocolate Easter bunny. Do they still do those? Man, big old chocolate. We'd get sick. We'd eat the whole thing in one day. But then when I got a little older, you know, in high school, it still wasn't a religious holiday for me. It was an exciting time to go to Clearwater Beach because we knew all the hot girls would be at the beach. And we got up sunrise not to go to a, to a sunrise service. We packed our cooler full of beer. We drove out to the beach. My friends, make sure we got the best spot on the beach for the best views, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm saying that in church. Because Easter, so what? Didn't mean much to me. Didn't really, no, nothing religious about it for me. It was about a party, man. It was about going out and doing my thing. And yet now I can tell you, 40 years later, it means a little bit more to me. In fact, I hope in what I can do for some of us that maybe that came because, you know, you were promised a free meal maybe, or you came because is this what you do? And that's great. You, you, hey, I'm coming. It's, it's, it's a religious day and I'm going to come and, and do my thing. And maybe you, you check the box. I'm, I'm hoping that it would be more than a check the box weekend for you. I'm hoping that maybe what I have discovered about Easter in the last 40 years can be something that this Easter story can have power to change your life. That's, that's what my prayer and hope is that we could walk away with something more than, than maybe an Easter brunch. And, and I believe God can do that. In fact, it's funny when I think about Easter and, this, and the story of Easter, I think about the Bible. And the Bible is such a, it's a story about God's interaction with people, just like you and me. People who had doubts, fears, sins, failures. And what's amazing about how God interacted with these people, he, he, he believed in them enough to say, you know what, if you'll, if you'll trust me, I'll, I'll transform your life. Man, I'll, I'll, I'll show you my grace and my power and my mercy and my forgiveness, and I'll give you purpose and power and a new life. And that's, the Bible is a story about God is for the underdog. Did you know that? He is for the underdog. Those that face impossible odds, that's exactly where God says, I can come into that person's life and do something amazing. That's really what the Easter story is about. That's what the Bible's about. I don't know about you. I know I'm a, a pretty uh, flawed person. You know, I have some flaws, some brokenness, some, some sin in, in my life. In fact, I sinned this morning playing golf. I, I did. I, I hit a bad shot and, and I got a little too angry about it, but here's what I know about God in the Bible. I know that God seems to be able to take people with brokenness and failures and flaws, and God has this amazing ability to transform their lives into something amazing and purposeful and, and powerful, and that's what my hope is for maybe you today. In fact, when I think of the Easter story, 
I think of a guy named Peter. If you don't know, he's one of the 12 disciples that Jesus picked. Now, Peter, in the Bible, I think some of us, maybe not all of us, but some of us might be able to relate with Peter. He's one of the 12 that Jesus chose. But it's interesting about Peter, uh, he was a man of virtue, but he also was a man of vice. He had a big heart, but he had a big mouth. I mean, man, Peter was passionate, but he also had an anger problem. He should have checked into an anger management class because when Jesus was uh, being arrested in the garden, the Bible tells us that Peter got so angry, he pulled out a sword and chopped off the ear of one of the priests. Yeah, someone said, wow. You're thinking, man, I'm not that bad. Well, there is hope for you then. If there's hope for Peter, there's hope for you and me, right? That's why I love the story about Peter. He was the same guy that said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. And he's the only one recorded in the Bible who walked on water. He walked on water, something supernatural. But this is the same guy that rebuked Jesus when Jesus predicted, hey, I'm going to go and die. Peter pulled Jesus aside and rebuked him. The Bible says, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. So here, one time he's, he's walking on water. Next time, Jesus is calling him Satan. In fact, then there's another time in the Bible where they asked the disciples, Jesus said, who do you think I am? And Peter says, you are Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, God has revealed this to you. So you see this guy, Peter, man, he's here and he's over here, he's, he's up and he's down. And then in John 1, 42, we're gonna pick up a little bit of how Jesus met Peter. He says, and Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means in the Greek, rock, you're the rock. Now you understand the word Simon meant shifting sand. And so Jesus said, I'm gonna change your name, I'm gonna change your purpose, I'm gonna change your identity, you're not gonna be shifting sand, you're gonna be a solid rock that I'm gonna build my church on. That's when he met him. And see, I think I love that about Jesus because he sees something in you you don't see in yourself. God wants to give you a new identity. He wants you to give you a new purpose. You may think you're shifting sand and double-minded, and maybe you think sometimes you're a failure, but God says, no, I can do something in you if you'll let me. And so he changes Peter's name, and it's just to me, he gives him this new identity. And what's amazing, he knew Peter was gonna struggle. He knew he was gonna fail. He knew he was gonna disown him, but he said, I'm still calling you one of my disciples. I'm calling you by a different name. And some of you are struggling today. I'm telling you, God has not given up on you. He hasn't given up on you. You may still be a Simon, but he sees you as a Peter, a solid rock. That's what I love about this. God sees past our failures. He sees past our sins, our limitations. See, there's no limitation when you understand your identity in Christ. All things are possible to the believer. Believe me, I was just at my reunion for uh, high school and uh, they asked me to do the invocation. They never would have thought when I was in high school that I'd even be a pastor because man, it was, you know, I was trouble. 
What I'm saying is there's hope for anybody. God can do anything he wants if you surrender your heart to him. And that's what I know that he wants to give us that today. In fact, the Bible says in many of the gospel, they called him Simon Peter, because sometimes he was Simon, and sometimes he was Peter. Like, okay, I want to do the right thing, but I, I blew it here, I'm, I'm good over here. He's called Simon Peter. And so we know he move, he's moving, he's shifting from this shifting sand to a, to a rock that God wants to count on, but there were some crucial moments in the life to Jesus is where we pick up the Easter story. And some of us maybe know this, some of us maybe don't, but we know that in this story that Jesus, man, on Palm Sunday, everyone was saying, Hosanna, King, and shouting, go Jesus. He was very popular on Sunday. But then everything changed. And the Bible tells us that he was arrested, falsely accused, he was appearing before the religious leaders. He was, going to be, he was going to be crucified. They went from saying Hosanna to crucify him. But in the middle of all this chaos, Peter, who said, man, I'll die for you. I'll do everything for you. I'm the man you can count on. I'll be there when times get tough. We see something happen in Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75, as Jesus is being arrested and, and persecuted. I'm not, I'll just paraphrase it. We know this, that he was sitting in the courtyard and three different occasions, people came up to Peter and said, hey, 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 aren't you one of the disciples? Not me. I don't know the guy. Second time, not me. Third time, he curses and says, I don't know the man. When it counted the most, Peter wasn't there. Maybe that's been some of our lives. Maybe we've been afraid to be bold for Jesus even in today's world because Jesus isn't so popular today. How many of you agree with that? Follower of Christ, it's not so popular to be a follower. I pray that we would be bold in our faith. That we have a resurrection power on the inside of us if we'll just allow him to come out. But as we pick up the story in verse 75, it says, suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Jesus knew Peter. He prophesied, you will deny me three times. And when it happened, Peter was devastated. It said he, he went away and he, and he wept bitterly. So we know that Jesus was crucified on a Friday. And we know that Peter's last time with Jesus was one of denial, one of betrayal, one of disappointing God in a big way. Can you imagine how he felt disappointing Jesus like that? So for three days, man, there's darkness, there's probably depression in his life, He's discouraged. He's feeling, man, there doesn't seem to be any hope. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I blew it. I disappointed Jesus. But I wonder if this story isn't just about Peter. I wonder if it's possibly about maybe some of us. Maybe there's some here today on one of our campuses. It's been a long time since you've been even to church. And you're just wondering, if I come back, will God love me? Will God accept me? Because I've blown it. I've gotten off track. I've gone my own way. Somehow I got way over here where I thought I would never be. And you're here. You're putting your toe back in the water going, can I possibly come home? What does God really think about me? I tell you, he thinks the same thing about you as he does Peter. He believes in you. He believes in you. 
And I'm gonna prove it to you through scripture here in a moment. So we think about this story of three days in darkness. Some of you, it's been three weeks, it's been three months, it's been three years. Some of us, we're not disappointed. We haven't disappointed God. We're disappointed with God. Man, your life, you don't understand. Life hasn't been fair to you. It seems like there's been stuff going on and where is God in this situation and you struggled? Maybe you're feeling lost or hopeless. Maybe you're in a deep, dark valley. Maybe you just feel like you're in a tomb that, and you're full of regret and guilt. Maybe, maybe you're wondering, is there life after the breakup? I mean, I didn't see this coming. We're broke up or I didn't see this coming and, and we're divorced, man. I don't even know what's next in my life. Is there any hope? Is there something that can change? Maybe you're wondering if there's life after being betrayed or financial collapse. Maybe you're wondering if there's any hope, man, in the midst of this sickness. I've just gotten a, a prognosis from a doctor. It doesn't look very good. Is there a hope in that? Is there anything God can do? I think a lot of us might be where Peter was at. But aren't you glad that the story doesn't end at a crucifixion? And listen, folks, I'll be the first to tell you, we need a cross. We'll get to that in a moment. But we need to know that there is a third day. We need to know there's a third day. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Come on, everyone hold up three days right now. Turn to someone and say, there's a third day. It can mean something in your life because it meant something to Peter in his life. We know the story that on that third day, the Bible says that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. A miracle, supernatural. In fact, the very crux of our faith, the very crux and cornerstone of Christianity is that Jesus rose from the dead. If he hadn't, we wouldn't be here because a lot of people die for a good cause. But only one man was raised from the dead, which proved he was God. And the tomb is still empty. They couldn't prove it. You can read all the research you want. They couldn't. And Jesus appeared for 40 days walking around Jerusalem. I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. Some people said it was a hallucination, but 500 at one time saw him. You mean 500 having a hallucination at one time? Disciples dying for a lie, they died because they saw someone raised from the dead. So it's, yes, it's about the resurrection of Jesus, but it's more than that. But in Mark 16, it says, but as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Isn't it funny how women lead the way so many times? <laughs> women, that was a good time to shell right there. <laughs> when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Come on, folks. He's not, he's not dead. <laughs> Look, here's the best part. Look, this is where they laid his body. They go and they go, yeah, he's not there anymore. And then they say this, and this is the part I want you to get. Now go tell his disciples. Come on, everyone say it. What? The guy that disowned him, the guy that betrayed him. God had a special message through this angel. Go tell the disciples, but tell Peter too, the one that abandoned me, the one that denied me. I haven't given up on Peter. And folks, I'm telling you, he hasn't given up on you. Doesn't matter where you've been, how disappointing it's been, the choices you have made. There's something powerful about the third day. There's something powerful even about today for your life. 
So what, Easter can make a big deal for us. Go tell his disciples, including Peter. You know, I wrote in my notes, God isn't done with you. God isn't done with you either. Said so the angel gave him this, this special message that just blows me away to this day because really he could have said, go tell all the disciples, but not Peter. He had his chance. He's disqualified. You're out. It, you're done. You screwed up too much. Anyone feel like that? I guarantee you there's people that feel that way. Sometimes it's the harsh words of a person or a parent or a bad situation in a relationship and you've taken those words and you've allowed them to put a curse on your life and God says, oh, no, no, there's a new identity. There's something I want to do in you and through you. <laughs> Jesus didn't abandon Peter. He was reassuring Peter, go and tell the disciples and Peter, Peter, I love you, man. Yeah, it was disappointing but I love you, I haven't given up on you because you are Peter, you are the rock, I'm gonna make you a rock, Peter. I'm telling you folks, some of you think I could never be a rock. Yes, you can. When you allow God to do what only he can do in your life. So this story about the resurrection obviously is about Jesus, proving that he was God, being raised from the dead. It's also a story about Peter and his redemption and, and, him, and the resurrection of his life. But this story is also about you. This is your story. Now go tell his disciples and Bill and John and Chris and Jacob and Mary and Roe and Jane and Dara and Tessa and Brent and Price. Go tell Joy. Go tell, and that's what the that's what this story's about. He's wanting to tell you, hey, go tell these other people too. I have not given up on them. No matter what they've been at, where they've been in their lives, I'm telling you, I have, an power, I have a power and ability to do three things in their life I'll talk about in a minute. Man, it's encouraging to me. God could have given up on me, man, believe me. 16 years old, I heard the gospel for the first time. The guy told me how much God loves me and how much he had a plan for my life. You know what I did? I spit in the kid's face. That's right. Yeah. God's mercy and love is so enduring, I don't understand it. But you know, my story, I'm gonna give you three things that I've learned about the Easter story. It changed my life. I didn't go to church, like I said, but God has ways of getting you there. Mine was through a pretty girl. She invited me and I came, not really for church, but for her. Three months into this, I didn't realize the power of God's word and God's truth began to overcome my life, began to overshadow me. And I began to sense the conviction of God in my life and I realized I couldn't just sit in church and hear the truth. I need to do something about it in my life. So I figured a good place to reflect and contemplate this would be at the local Tapper Pub in Britain Plaza. <laughs> and after nine beers, I got a revelation. Some of you, it's true. I heard God's voice, not audibly, outwardly, but inwardly. And he challenged me, who do you say I am? I'm the savior, I'm God, I'm the one that died for you. And I said, okay, well, what are you gonna do about it? What do you mean, what am I gonna do? What are you gonna do about it? You can't be on the fence, you're not neutral, folks. You're all in or you're not. And I remember that moment knowing that I needed Jesus to save me from my sins. I, I had no problem admitting I was a sinner. Now, it's amazing in a world we live in today, people have a hard time admitting that. 
I, I knew, listen, I need a savior, not just for my past sins. I need a savior for today. How about you? Listen, I need a savior tomorrow. I need a savior when I go out on Del Mabry because I'm gonna sin, I know, and I need Jesus to forgive me again. Some of you think, oh, I don't sin. Wait till you try to get out of the parking lot one of these weekends. <laughs> or go, just go drive down I-4. Or get on Del Mabry at five o'clock. Forgiveness for my past, that's what I experienced. God said, but there's nothing you can do, Craig, to earn it. Just, and I remember verses like Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, faith in what he did, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Not only did I receive forgiveness, peace with God. You know what it's like to have peace with God? Peace not based on me, but based on who he is. That even when I fall short, even when I fail, and I'm not making an excuse for sin, but when I do, I can still have peace with God and know that God loves me just as much as during that, I mean, God loves me. Now I have peace with him. I can lay my head on my pillow at night knowing I have peace with God based on the promise that he gave us through his son Jesus on the cross. Man, there's no greater gift than peace with God. Then 2 Corinthians says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. I, I still don't, can't wrap my head around that, man. That God was perfect, Jesus was innocent, and all my sin was put on him. Because someone had to pay the price. My sins were nailed to that cross. Jesus suffered for my sins. Listen, I, I, I wanna keep it simple. People try to complicate this, it's not complicated. Religion is complicated. Jesus is simple. I've sinned. He loved me enough to die on a cross, even though he was perfect for my sin. He took my place. What I deserved, he received. And then I get mercy and grace because of what he did, not because of what I keep trying to do. It's not about you trying to earn it. You can't earn your way to heaven, folks. I'm telling you, if you think that's the way, it's not the way. We need a savior. We all need our past forgiven so we can, we can have peace with God. God doesn't just leave us there. Aren't you glad that God just doesn't forgive us of our sins? Because I remember that was my, my, my question. Okay, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need Christ. I, I, Jesus, thank you for saving me. But listen, if you want me to live for you, I need some power. Because the way I'm living, I can't do it the way I'm living. I need to do something different. I need to live differently. I need power because I still have these things I like to do. I mean, when I got saved, I said, God, I like to sin. I mean, be honest with him. But I remember him just saying, you trust me. If you really allow me into your life, my Holy Spirit will come into you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will come and live on the inside of you. And I remember that, I remember the next few days, how in the next few months, in the next few years, those old desires got replaced with a new desire. My old mind, he replaced with a, a new mind and, and God began to transform my way of thinking, my way of life my calling, my purpose, and please believe me, I'm not talking about perfection, ask my wife, far from perfect, please don't say amen, Debbie, I, I can hear that amen. 
but God transforms our life because he gives us power for today. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, anyone who belongs to Christ, here's how you know you belong, by the way, he's a new creation, a new creature. The old life passes away and all things become new. You move from an old life to a new life. I didn't say a perfect life, but God transforms you. He gives you power to live your life in a different way. Galatians says, I have been crucified with Christ and I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Romans 6.22 says, but now you are free from the power of sin. I've always been confused about that. If I'm free from it, then why do I still, that power means it's no longer your master. It no longer has to be a lifestyle. God can change my life. He can change the way I live. A new power lives in me. Romans 8 says, and if the spirit of God who raised up Jesus from the dead lives in you, he will make your dying bodies live again after you die. God can transform us, God can change us. We need the cross for forgiveness, amen, for our past, but we need the resurrection and the promise of the Holy Spirit to live a new life, a, a different life. Think about Peter, man. This guy denied Christ before three people, three little servant girls. He's the first one in Acts after he's filled with the Holy Spirit and God's power to stand up and preach to thousands. He was a coward. Now he becomes courageous. How does that happen? He went from Simon to Peter because of the dwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. If you are trying to live the Christian life in your own power, it's a struggle. Every day, Lord, give me your power. I need your power. We get it through prayer. We get it through reading the word. But the resurrection gives us one more thing. The resurrection gives us hope. Hope beyond this life. Hope beyond the grave. That when we die, we don't die. Listen, I do a lot of funerals. I haven't done as many lately. I got a lot of pastors to help me. But I can tell you, when I'm doing funerals, I can see fear in the eyes of people thinking, am I next? That was my buddy. When is my, and I see fear. You don't have to fear death. Do you, do you understand that when Jesus died and was resurrected, he gave us several promises. I'm only gonna give you two of them that can give us what we call eternal security. Our eternity can be secured. Our future can be secured. John 11 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die." He makes a promise to her. You're gonna, you're gonna die, but you're still gonna live. And then in 2 Corinthians, it says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. Promise from God that when this earthly tent dies, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. That's God's promise. The resurrection promises us eternity, forever with him. I don't have to be afraid of dying. I don't wanna die. But if I died today, I wouldn't fear because I know the promise God has for those who have believed, who've accepted Christ. What a promise. I don't have to fear death. Death has been conquered. If I die tomorrow, the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ has already been given to me. Man, what a great P 
peace that gives you. If you don't have that peace, if you're not sure about that future, man, in a few moments, we're gonna give all of us an opportunity to make it right with God. And it's not based on you, it's based on what he did. See, for some, I know you realize you need them. Like I said earlier, some in the room on campuses right now, you, you, you know you've sinned, man. You, you know you've gone where you shouldn't have gone. You've been far from God for a long time and you're coming home. You're like the prodigal. You're coming home. You're, you're back maybe for the first time. You need to know, here's what God looks like when you come back. Welcome. He's not like this. Where you been? God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He wants you to come home. He wants you to experience his grace and his mercy and his power. He wants you to be like Peter. You get a second chance. Come on home. Come on. Come on home. For some, we're like, man, I, I need his power, man. I'm living a, a, a mediocre Christian life. Then ask God to fill you with his power once again. And then we have some I know that, man, maybe for the very first time, you're realizing, I need to know my sins are forgiven. I need to know that my past can be forgiven. I need power for today, man. My life is empty. It's void. I, I feel lost. I, I need forgiveness for my past. I need power for today. And I need my future secured. I need that. I, I believe you're speaking to me today. Here's, here's what I love asking this question. I know this sounds pretty challenging, but here's a, a very serious question for all of us to maybe contemplate. God forbid if it happened, if you died today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Listen, I'll tell you a couple wrong answers I hear all the time. Well, I hope so. I've been a good person. How about this one? Well, maybe. Man, I'm telling you, you could know. You can be sure. You can have peace with God by believing that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and that Jesus Christ died on that cross for your sins. And I know sometimes we, we want to earn it, but you can't earn it. You can't pay for it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's a gift that we just accept. And I know it's hard to accept a gift because a lot of us, we have pride. I don't need charity. Well, folks, I'm telling you, you need lots of charity. You need lots of mercy. All of us, including myself, have fallen short. Need them. There's a song we're gonna sing. Go ahead and pull out your little, there's a little commitment card if you got one when you came in, in the bulletin. Pull it out, everyone, all across every campus. Pull that out for a moment. And you can see on the back, there's a part where it says, today I accept Jesus as my savior and receive his free gift of forgiveness for my sins. I invite his Holy Spirit to live in me and to transform me from my old ways to be to his way of living. We're gonna sing a song I can't do what Daryl does. Daryl can sing and preach. I can't do that. <laughs> By Zach Williams. I love the first part of it. It says, I know your hurts. I can see it in your eyes. Pull back the curtains. Take off your disguise. Man, drop the facade. Let it down, man. God already knows everything about us. You know what he says? He knocks on the door of your heart right now, and I know he's knocking on the door. And you know what he wants you to do? He just wants you to, to let him in. 
Let him in the house, say, God, come into my life. No, no, wait, let me get a few things straightened out first, Lord. No, no, you, you come as you are with every flaw, all the fear. God, I just come as I am. And, and Lord, I, if it's true what, what we just heard today, I, I need forgiveness. I, I need power. I need a new life. And, and I need that today. So we're going to sing this song. And afterwards, your campus pastor is going to come up. But if you make a decision, that card is right there. We'd love you to take that. Make a commitment. Maybe for some of you, it's a recommitment. Let's let God speak to us in this moment. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.